0: Good morning, I'm Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. Good to have you with us here today for our Congregation of Prayer, a guide for daily meditation and prayer around God's Word. It's Friday, October 15th, 2021. School's out today, so we'll continue um, looking at uh, alternative readings. Today we'll look at what was the, well, what will be the epistle for St. Luke Uh, which we recognized this past Wednesday, Um, that epistle reading is quoted verbatim in the Apology um, on Article 4. And uh, that's the article on justification. So we'll share that with you as well. All right. Let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, and the life everlasting. Amen. Say our memory verse for this week. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. 1 John 4, verse 9. Our psalm this week is Psalm 128. We say it together. Blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways, Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Again, our epistle today, which we'll read, is from St. Paul's letter to Timothy, his second letter. This was the epistle for Wednesday night. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Finally there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world, and has departed for Thessalonica, Crescens for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful for me or to me for ministry. Antichius I have sent to Ephesus. Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas when you come, and the books, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. You also must beware of him, for he has greatly resisted our words. At my first offense no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against them. But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, so that the message might be preached fully through me, and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. So as I mentioned, uh, this 2 Timothy specifically, uh, verse chapter 4 verse 8 um, is cited in our Lutheran confessions in the context of justification. We'll talk about it here. Finally there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord the righteous judge will give to me on that day and not to me only but also to all who have loved his appearing. So obviously this is in regards to uh, what is given on the last day, meaning on the day of resurrection, and that's the Lord's righteousness. Well, namely, what is this crown? All right. Um, If you don't know, the Apology is written by Philip Melanchthon, who was Luther's contemporary there in Wittenberg, his friend. Um, The scholar, if you like, Luther being the the preacher-teacher. From these statements, the fair-minded reader can judge that we very definitely require good works since we teach that this faith arises in penitence and ought to grow continually in penitence. Here is Christian and spiritual perfection, if penitence and faith amid patience grow together. The devout can understand this teaching better than what our opponents teach about contemplation or perfection. Just as justification belongs to faith, so eternal life belongs to it, as Peter says in 1 Peter 1 verse 9. As the outcome of your faith, you obtain the salvation of your souls. Our opponents grant that the justified are children of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Romans 8 verse 17. Afterwards, works merit other bodily and spiritual rewards because they please God through faith. There will be distinction in the glory of the saints. Here our opponents reply that eternal life is called a reward and that therefore it is merited by the merit of condign- condignity, sorry, that's a hard word, um, through good works. Condignity is, um, uh, I'm trying to remember what that, is, how to define that. <laughs> oh, it's such a technical term. And it's literally just a translation there. Merit acquired by works which can reward on the score of general benevolence. All right. So, merit acquired by works from scholastic theology. All right, so our opponents say that it's merit by the merit of condignity through good works. We shall answer briefly and clearly, right? Is eternal life a reward on the basis of works is the question here. Paul calls eternal life a gift, Romans six twenty three, because the righteousness bestowed on us for Christ's sake at the same time makes us sons of God and fellow heirs with Christ, Romans 8, verse 17. As St. John says in John 3, verse uh, 36. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. Augustine says, as do many later writers, God crowns his gifts in us. But elsewhere, Luke 6.23, it is written, your reward is great in heaven. If these passages seem to our opponents to be in conflict, let them see to it. But they are not fair judges, for they omit the word gift. Right, there's the key. They also omit the central thought of the discussion. They pick out the word reward and in their explanation do violence not only to scripture but also to the very usage of the language. Because a reward is mentioned, they argue that our works ought to be counted so precious that eternal life is their due and therefore they are worthy of grace and eternal life without needing mercy or the mediator Christ or faith. Such logic is completely new. So that's a key theme that comes up repeatedly in the Lutheran Confessions, and especially in Augsburg Confession uh, in particular, that if um, anything, whether it's forgiveness, life, or um, eternal life, salvation, here in the case of heaven, if that is on the basis of works, then there is no need for mercy from Jesus, there's no need for a mediator Christ, one who dies for your sins, or faith in Him, if it's on the basis of works. You see? So anytime you add um, works, to any of the things that are given as gift, um, they no are no longer a gift. That's the that's the key. Makes sense. It's a really helpful. Um, I don't know Maxim' way of remembering. As soon as you add something to the gift, it's no longer a gift. I often joke about, um, um, you know, my grandmother uh, now now deceased, who uh, would give gifts, but then there was an expectation attached to them that. That when she would come to visit, you would, see, she would, you would see them and you could demonstrate that you had played with it or used it. <laughs> I was like, well, is it really a gift then, if there's requirements attached to it? Mm, not, not exactly, right? <clears throat> All right. We hear the term reward, therefore we need neither Christ, the mediator, nor the faith that has access to God for Christ's sake, not for our, own, our work's sake. Who cannot see that this is a fallacious con- conclusion? We are not arguing about the term reward. We do contend about the issue whether good works of themselves are worthy of grace and eternal life, or whether they please God only because of the faith that takes hold of Christ, the mediator. So works justify only for the sake of faith in Christ. Not only do our opponents attribute to works a worthiness of grace and eternal life, they even suppose that they have extra merits, which they can give to justify others, as when monks sell the merits of their, of the, uh, their orders to others. precipious like they draw the following absurd conclusion when they hear this one word, reward. It is called a reward, therefore we have works that are precious enough to earn a reward. Therefore works please God for their own sake, not for the sake of Christ the mediator. This is the opponents. Since one has more merits than another, therefore some have extra merits. Those who merit them can transfer these merits to others. That was all uh, a quote of sorts, right? Look out, dear reader, you have not yet heard the whole uh, sorites ah, So many words in this translation that I do not know. <laughs> what does that word mean? Uh, it's a chain of syllogisms. Ah, I see. A paradox of, of the heat. So it's just one a series of propositions that one proceeds after the other, but they're all they don't necessarily belong together. There you go. We must add certain sacraments of this transfer, as when a monk's hood is placed on the dead man. By such a series of arguments, the blessings of Christ and the righteousness of faith are obscured. Right. So again, um, <clears throat> whenever we talk about works, whenever we talk about reward, whenever we talk about um, anything done by the Christian, whether it's in love or faith, it cannot and it must not obscure the, the righteousness of faith and the blessings of Christ. All right? talked about this a little bit last night at Elders, um, how sometimes we get the order of these things mixed up, where um, the acts of love, the generosity, and the charity that we show to one another here in the congregation or school um, become the priority, not faith in Christ, and the gifts that he gives, which should be our first priority, always. We are not putting forward an empty quibble about the term reward. If our opponents will grant that we are accounted righteous by faith for Christ's sake and that good works are pleasing to God because of faith then we will not argue much about the term reward. We grant that eternal life is a reward because it is something that is owed not because of our merits but because of the promise. We have shown above that justification is strictly a gift of God. It is a thing promised. To this gift the promise of eternal life has been added according to Romans 8:30 to whom he justified he also glorified. Here, Paul's words apply. Finally, the quote. There is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me. Notice give, 2 Timothy 4, verse 8. That's gift language. The crown is owed to the justified because of the promise. This promise the saints must know. It is not an incentive to work for their own advantage, since they should work for the glory of God. But to escape despair amid afflictions, they should know that it is the will of God to help. Rescue and save them. The strong hear the mention of punishments and rewards in one way, and the weak in another, for the weak work for their own advantage. Yet the proclamation of rewards and punishments is necessary. In the proclamation of punishments, the wrath of God is displayed, and hence this belongs to the preaching of penitence. In the proclamation of rewards, grace is displayed. When they talk about good works, the scriptures often include faith, since they wish to include the righteousness of the heart with other fruits. Just so they off, sometimes offer grace with other rewards, as in Isaiah 58, 8-9, and in other places of the prophets. Alright, so we'll hold up there. So again, add nothing to the righteousness of Christ, lest you turn it away from a gift and obscure the gospel. That's the key. And again, it's over and over and over. Um, that's from the Apology to the Augsburg Confession, which is uh, longer and more Um, thoroughgoing because uh, Melanchthon there in particular is, uh, the word apology means to defend, right? So he's defending um, the doctrine put forward in the Augsburg Confession against Rome's objections to the Augsburg Confession, which they laid out in a document called the Confutation. So the the apology to the Augsburg Confession is substantially longer, especially that article on justification, which we uh, learned is the doctrine by which the church stands or falls. It's the doctrine um, that Rome had done the most to obscure, uh, and namely obscure the merit and worthiness of Christ. All right. So uh, go check that out. You can read Augsburg um, Confession and its Apology on bookofconcord.org. bookofconcord.org. There's a free edition on there if you don't have a print copy. And I urge you to do that, even include it in your d- daily devotional reading. Okay. We confessed the first article of the Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. What does this mean? I believe that God has made me and all creatures, that he has given me my body and soul, eyes, ears, and all my members, my reason and all my senses, and still takes care of them. He also gives me clothing and shoes, food and drink, house and home, wife and children, land, animals, and all I have. He richly and daily provides me with all that I need to support this body and life. He defends me against all danger and guards and protects me from all evil. All this he does only out of fatherly, divine goodness and mercy, without any merit or worthiness in me. For all this it is my duty to thank and praise, serve and obey him. This is most certainly true. We pray. Lord God, Heavenly Father, in the first article of the Creed, you teach us that you are the God of self-giving love. You have created us and all things out of your fatherly, divine goodness and mercy. We give thanks to you for all that you have made, for every gift of body and soul, for our talents and abilities, and for all that you have given us to preserve us each day and to make our lives enjoyable. You richly and daily provide us with all that we need to support us in this body and life, and you defend us against all danger and guard and keep us from all evil. Forgive us for not trusting in you, for failing to give thanks for all your gifts of creation and for not using your gifts in loving service to others. Strengthen us by Jesus' forgiveness and love to rejoice in all that you have made, and to ever thank and praise, serve and obey you all the days of our lives. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Prayer collect for this week. Almighty and merciful God of your bountiful goodness, keep us from all things that may hurt us, that we, being ready in both body and soul, may cheerfully accomplish whatever you would have us do. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever, Amen. On this Friday, we pray for the preaching of the Holy Cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, for it spread throughout the whole world, for the persecuted, and for the sick and dying. We pray in this day in thanksgiving with uh, James and Amy, who celebrate their birthday, with Jim and James, who celebrate their baptism. We pray for our households, especially that of Randy, Gus, and Eileen. Jonathan, Kevin, and Mandy, Derek, and Dolores. We pray for those who are ill, receiving treatment, or recovering, especially Tristan, Marcella, Kelsey, Ron, Joel, Amanda, Dan, and John, Timothy, Janice, Sandy, and Ken, Norman, Sandy, Kathy, and Mike. Pray for our homebound Bev, David, Roy, Willis, Mickey, and Paul. Pray for our all the missions and mercy work of the Church, especially Orphan Grain Train. We ask the Lord to give us a disdain of earthly things. And we pray for those grieving, especially the family and friends of Kay Winter. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right, we sing our hymn for this week. Hallelujah! let praises ring.
1: singing, ringing, holy, holy, goddess holy, spread the stormy of our God, the Lord of glory. Alleluia, let praises ring unto the on light he cleansed her in that blessed Lord and as his bride selected, holy holy is our union and communion is befriending is our Is praises ring unto our triumph God we sing thus be His name forever with angels let us adore and sing His praises evermore for all His grace Favor, singing, breathing holy, holy, God holy. Spread the story of our.
0: So good to have you with us here today for our Congregation of Prayer, Guide for Daily Meditation and Prayer around God's Word. Come to each day, except for Sunday, at 9 a.m. On Sunday, of course, we gather together for divine service at 9.30 a.m. So you can join us tomorrow uh, at 9 a.m. Tomorrow we will look at the readings for Sunday. Although Sunday um, we have a guest preacher who will be uh, much like we had with Pastor Bloss preaching from um, a unique text or particular text to the theme. Um, of his preaching, which is the work and our support of Concordia uh, Wisconsin, our one of our Concordias here that's right in our backyard. So we want to highlight their work and uh, give the representative an opportunity uh, to preach um, on Christian education in particular. And so then he's also coming for Bible study um, and my understanding he will again teach on uh, the role of Christian education, specifically Lutheran education, um, in our churches and then um, on the benefit of, again, Concordia, Wisconsin for that work. So, um, join us tomorrow morning. We'll do Congregation Prayer. We'll look at the readings, um, hear a little meditation on that, and then uh, join us Sunday at 9.30 for Divine Service, and then uh, Bible Study Following, and Sunday School. Alright, Lord be with you all, keep you safe, and we'll see you tomorrow.